This is the I Could Murder a Cocktail season finale and Christmas special. Merry Murder. Hi and welcome to I Could Murder a Cocktail. Today we'll be looking at the Lawson family and the drink we're going to be drinking is something to do with orange and Christmas and stuff. Um, Christmas cranberry cocktail fizz. Ooh. It does have a real name, but it's not as Christmassy as we want it to be. Yeah, so Christmas drink. The ingredients are gin, Cointreau, thyme, cranberry juice, orange, uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> Some orange. Orange uh, juice. And the ingredient calls for Sprite, but unfortunately we couldn't find any Sprite, so we had to replace it with an alcoholic beverage that we call Prosecco. Oh no. Oh dear. It definitely didn't happen like me and Ellie went, Sprite? Prosecco's fizzy enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which means this drink could taste like anything. And on that... I know, I'm kind of scared. Let's give it a try. Oh, I forgot to stir it with my time. That sounds really powerful. What are you going to stir your drink with? I'm going to stir it with time. <laughs> the first sip is very, very sweet and then it I got tingles on my legs. That's just because you haven't Ooh. shaved. Yeah. It's sweet, 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 and then you get like a... Oh, it's nice. I like that. It does taste like Christmas. Yeah, Molly, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry, that was me telling my laptop like, to shut up. didn't even flinch. That's just like my normal day today. <laughs> I've been really nice to you today. Sorry, I'm going to pause it. You don't have to um, <gasps> tiptoe either because they can't see you. No, I know. <laughs> come out, come out. I was really confused. I just opened the front door and there was a bag in there for Connor to have at the back where I thought we had a present. Oh! Ooh. Come on, bragging. All the presents. <laughs> come on. Come on. Oh. Bye, Daisy. We love you. We, we like you too, Kate. <laughs> it does taste Christmassy. It's, yeah, very Christmassy. I'm a fan. Apart from Bloody Mary, has there been any cocktails this season that we haven't liked? I don't think uh, so. the, um, you didn't like the martinis. martinis. Yeah, but I liked my martini. It wasn't like a martini. olive martini. <laughs> what I made you was not a martini. And that's what the first maker of the porn star martini said. But look at him now! <laughs> I loved, I don't remember the name of it, the one with the... The cream on the top. Yes. I can't remember what it was. It was called like a black scot, I think. Yes. Because it was when we got with the smaller one. Oh no, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was when we did nothing like as well. It was so good. That went down too easy though, and then we uh, ended the podcast realizing we finished off a bottle of whiskey <laughs> and two pints of cream. <laughs> yeah, that was good. It was a calorific one. Oh yeah, I decided to just delete all my calories that I counted for that day because I was like, it's not even worth adding them up now. <laughs> Breakfast, dark scot. Lunch, dark scot. <laughs> Um, what I really liked the tequila one that we had when we did Lord Lucan that we got very drunk on. I was not present for this, it but was I, like... I was aware in editing of how drunk you were getting on it. Oh, that tequila was, it was good. so good. I did like the frozen one we did as well, then. Yeah, the accidentally frozen one. Accidentally frozen. Very happy it was accidentally yeah, frozen. Yeah, that was good. Like we've done some we've done some good cocktails. Yeah. We had like a bit of a obviously that point when we couldn't all actually be face to face when we were struggling to find cocktails <laughs> with like three ingredients and mainly gin a little bit difficult then. The reason for this conversation, dear listeners, is that this is the last episode of series one. Boo! So I get... Boo! 
sounds like it's not our decision. <laughs> the <laughs> network have decided that. Mama told us we're not allowed to record anymore. But yeah, so we'll be back in 2020. When I say that, like, we're not about to carry on. It's not a five-minute podcast. <laughs> really shitty cocktail. Our favourite cocktails. Two minutes and done. Thank you. <laughs> not even explaining what's in the cocktail. Just going to remember that tequila we got really drunk on. <laughs> So back in 2021, having a little Christmas break. It's gonna be weird. I mean, not like we won't see each other. Well, true. Who knows what lockdown comes next? Oh, God, don't even start. Everyone, fingers crossed, we won't be starting on season two virtually. Connor, <laughs> what have you got? Another black coffee. Okay. No, to be fair, like that time when we had. Gimlets or something, and Connor just had three different kinds of gin and some lemonade in a glass. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> okay, so because it's Christmas, I thought I'd do a really nice, well, it's not Christmas yet, but nearly Christmas. I thought I'd do a nice Christmas one. Um, a nice Christmas murder. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Christmas. Um, so, this story takes place now. Um, so the man that we're mainly going to be talking about today is Charles Lawson. So he was born on May the 10th, 1886. He worked as an American tobacco farmer in North Carolina. And he committed one of the most notorious mass murders in North Carolina's state history. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so I was just laughing that he worked... <laughs> He was an American tobacco farmer, but you specifically said that he worked as an American tobacco farmer. Yeah, I know. I wrote it like that. Like he was an actor. Like he was a British man. And part of his job was to speak with an American accent. Yeah, I don't know why. I wrote... Well, I say I wrote it. I did say to Molly earlier, but I'll edit as I go. I'm not going to do that. So he was born in... This is what I said in the article. I don't really fully understand it, but we can all work it out together. He lived in an unincorporated community known as Lawsonville. Oh, I know this bit. There we go, I knew you would. So. But you don't know how wind is created. <laughs> oh, I honestly <laughs> meant to send you that video last week. I had a YouTube video ready to send I was <laughs> editing and I forgot. So it's like a town that's not officially a town. Oh. So if you've incorporated a town, you've made given it the you know the town charter, the mayor, the mm-hmm. so it's just like a town that springs up and builds, but okay. isn't they all give it a name, but it's not got on the map. It's not like under an official, yeah. Ah, there we go. Well, that that's where he was born. Um, and then in 1911, he married a woman named Fanny Manring. <laughs> Stop! You are joking. I'm not. That has got to top the best name. That's got to top, well, top up there. My drag queen name list I've been building over the series. That is phenomenal. Fanny Manring. Fanny Manring. is bad enough. <laughs> Chuck a fanny in front of anything, it makes it funny. I read it earlier and I was like, this can't be right. This is someone taking the piss. So I like was just searching and I was like, no, that is her name. Phenomenal. There we go. Um, so together, Charles and Fanny had eight children. <laughs> I'm going to say a name as much as I possibly I'm can. I'm so but... glad we've only had one drink at the same time. <laughs> Free drink at before this podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> Would have been brutal. Uh, so they had eight children. Um, but one... Fanny. 
Oh God, Con, I'm only like two paragraphs in. So one of their children was born in 1914, but died in 
who looks at a cute little baby and goes, ah, you're a Keith. Well, look, no one likes seagulls, but they're an endangered species that we have to protect. So, seagulls? Yeah. yeah. They're not endangered. They're, they're, fucking they're a protected species in the RSPCA. But they're fucking everywhere. Yeah, I know. They also had a baby called Mary Lou who was four months old. Was she also a cat? <laughs> It's like some of them we were like, yeah, let's give them nice respectful names and then the other were like, no, we want them to be bullied. They never got the chance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Charles took his family into town, bought them all new clothes and had a family portrait done, which I showed you earlier and mm, it is creepy. creepy. I'll show you in a bit, Con. Um, so because they were definitely not wealthy, this seemed a bit weird for like people in the community. They were all a bit confused. So on Christmas Day, Marie had woken up early to bake a Christmas cake. The child, Marie the child. Her two sisters, well, two of her sisters uh, woke up, Carrie and Maybelle. They decided to go and visit their aunt and uncle. But just behind the property, their father was waiting for them with a shotgun. So... He had waited by the tobacco barn, and as soon as they were in range, he hit them, hit them, shot them with his shotgun. Uh, but realised that they weren't actually dead yet, so he bludgeoned both of the oh. children and dragged their bodies into the barn. Not fucking laughing now, are you? Oh, you have to be a sick kind of person to be able to do that. Then he returned to the house and shot his wife, who was on the front porch. As soon as the gun was fired, Marie, the daughter, who was still in the kitchen, um, heard it, obviously, screamed and shouted for her two younger brothers, James and Raymond, to find a hiding place. Charles then shot Marie and found the two boys in their hiding place, shot them. And then he found the baby, Mary Lou, um, and I mean, obviously nobody knows exactly what was going through his head, but um, it said that he couldn't bring himself to shoot her, so he bludgeoned her to death instead. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh my god, that's kind so of, beyond. Yeah, I know. Uh, so the only family member to survive was the eldest son, Arthur. So the night before, his father had sent him away to like run an errand or see somebody. So he was the only family member that survived. But there was a witness who I couldn't find that much information on, who's the one that said he heard Marie telling the boys to go and hide. Um, pe some people said that he was maybe like a farmhand or maybe like a neighbor. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of was in the area, heard the shots, went to see what was happening, but then ran away because he was a child and there was a man going around shooting people. So, was Arthur sent away on purpose? He didn't want to kill him? I or... think so. Mm -hmm. um, the way it kind of seems is that... It seems pretty premeditated, mm -hmm. doesn't it? To get a shotgun and kill your whole family. And to like wait mm -hmm. behind the barn mm -hmm. for the two girls. And yeah, it, it seems potentially premeditated. Uh, so seven bodies were found. Uh, most of the family had their arms crossed over their chests and each had rocks placed under their heads. But Charles wasn't with them. Uh, so the police initially thought that he had run away. Within hours, the crowds had gathered because obviously mm. as soon as you find out that there's 
you know, a load of dead bodies. Um, the crowd heard a single gunshot from the nearby woods. So Arthur, other than the son, and the police officer walked into the woods and found some handwritten letters and Charles's body. Uh, they also noticed that next to, so where he was lying, it was right next to a tree and the tree, uh, it had been snowing, and there was footprints all around the tree that had basically got rid of all the snow in a circle around the tree. Mm. So he'd obviously paced around for ages, trying to work out what he was gonna do, and then ultimately shot himself. Um, so everyone thought that the letters that were nearby were gonna be a suicide note, a moat, just give some kind of idea about motive, you know what was going on uh but they didn't say anything they were just like random bits of information uh arthur decided ultimately not to release the letters to the public so 16 years after the events uh arthur was killed in a car accident just just heartbreaking because you think you escape this awful massacre you find your family members Let's take a break. We need to take a break after that. It was all laughs the first ten minutes, and now I feel quite oh, sad. I was trying to like get you both to calm down. I was like, "This isn't really. A, this isn't a laughing one." Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry crisis. Welcome back to I Give Murder a Cocktail, and the depression continues, according to Ellie. Take it away, Ellie. Happy Yay. Christmas. It's been a long time since Fanny Manol or whatever her name was. Fanny Manring. <laughs> it's even funnier than I remembered. <laughs> um, okay, so there are some rumours and speculation as to why he did what he did. So I go? Oh, go quiet as if that isn't one <laughs> of the suggestions. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that, that definitely... Um, Maybe he was fully insane. Um, okay, so it was speculated that Charles did not actually murder his family. It was staged to look like he had killed them all and then killed himself, like in a murder-suicide. So one of the explanations was that he had witnessed an organised crime event and had been found out and that he and his family were then murdered for it. Another involves a black man that Charles had allegedly started a fight with, who then decided... I so thought you were going to say affair. <laughs> that would have been Very different story. Yes. Um, so yeah, what, what this theory says is essentially this guy turned up, murdered his family as like revenge and then killed Charles. Or was this... This was 1929. So this was at the height of kind of that black hysteria with lynching and stuff. So mm. it was a case of we'll find any reason to blame a black man. For yeah, it. of course. Yeah. Um, and then it, this article goes on to note that neither of these rumours are plausible or fit with any of the facts. All signs obviously point to a murder-suicide. Mm. Um, so there's a book about this event called White Christmas, Bloody Christmas, which was published in 1990. So this theory came out of the research from the book. Um, so on interviewing many people regarding the Lawson family murders, the 
book's authors, so that's M. Bruce Jones and Trudy J. Smith, found that several people recounted rumours and stories regarding Charles, Marie and incest. So in 1989, the authors received a call from an anonymous woman. She said that she'd gone on a tour of the Lawson home shortly after the murders. You know, like I said, they were a mm -hmm. tourist attraction. And the tour guide had told them about the incest rumour, which he stated as fact. The day before the book was to be published, the authors received a phone call from a woman called Stella Lawson, who was cousin to the Lawson children. Um, so she'd already been interviewed for the book, but she had something else to tell them. Uh, so she said she knew the truth about why Charles did what he did. Um, at the funeral, Stella said the she'd overheard um, Fanny's sister-in-law and aunt talking, discussing how she had confided in them that she'd been concerned about Charles and Marie. Apparently, she'd been suspicious of incest happening long before the murders took place. The theory is that Marie was pregnant and that it was Charles's baby and his wife found out and he murdered them all to cover it up. Would they not have found out that she was pregnant in the autopsy or...? I don't believe that they did an autopsy because it, the cause of death for everyone was quite obvious. Mm. Um, and if she was quite early, you wouldn't have been able to externally tell. Um, so it is a theory. There is no evidence to back this mm. up. This is hearsay um because yeah as far as i know they didn't do an autopsy so there's another book called the meaning of our tears um who says so this is a family friend um who claimed that just weeks before christmas marie had told her that she was pregnant and that her father was the father um oh, that's so gross yeah i know Sorry, i know we've <laughs> it's it's horrible is it does this speak of consensual incest or I know it doesn't make a difference, but if how old was she? Seventeen. Mm -hmm. That is mm. it's all kinds of messed up. <sighs> yeah. Um so this is kind of reiterated by other people, so a few other neighbours and sort of family friends were interviewed for this book and said that they knew that there were serious problems going on within the family. Um, one of the neighbours said he did know the nature of the problem, but it was personal and he decided not to reveal it. So, you know, because it's kind of a bit of a weird thing to sort of bring up, isn't it? When you'd be like, some, like you know, this awful murder has happened and then... And they were shagging each other. Yeah. Like, you don't want to pile on more, do you? You don't want to add to the fucking, the whole thing. Exactly. Those are the, the theories behind it. Um, so, like I've said a couple of times, after the murders, uh, the home was opened as a tourist attraction. Uh, so this was, it was opened, because when I first read it, I thought, oh, it must have just been like a random person. But it was actually Charles's brother that decided 
to make some money from this horrible, horrible tragedy. What a fucked up family. <laughs> uh, this is America just before the progression, isn't it? Everyone was out to make their money. Yeah, whatever way you could. Whatever way you how. <laughs> I was going to say whatever way you have to, but then I thought, well, maybe you didn't have to. <laughs> so it was whatever way you could. Just sell the fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the cake that Marie was making on Christmas morning um, was displayed on the tour. So visitors began to pick the raisins out of the cake to take as souvenirs. Um, because of this, they were worried about the integrity of the cake. Uh, so they Oh yeah, that's what's wrong here. <laughs> that's the the cake has lost its dignity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they placed it in a glass cake dish and preserved it for many years. Yeah, fruitcake does last. It does last. It does. I'm not sure I want to eat the murder cake. Mm. The murder raisins. It, were they? <laughs> Taking the it home and putting it on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Have you seen our prized possession? The raisin? <laughs> the murder raisin. <laughs> Made by Satan. Uh, so the family were buried in their family plot. Um, so the large grave, it reads, not now, but in the coming years, it will be in a better land. We'll read the meaning of our tears and sometime we'll understand. Sounds a bit spooky. Mm. Yeah. Why do I say it like that? Spooky. 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 So, um, yeah, that's the really nice, fun, happy story of um, the Lawson family. And Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas, one and all. You boy, what year is this? 1927. I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say wake me up in 2020, but nobody wants to be here either. <laughs> no, no. I did also have a fun Christmas fact, but it's now disappeared, so bear with me. Um and I will find it for you. Does anyone, does anyone have a joke? I do have a joke. It's not funny, obviously, because it's a Christmas cracker joke, and you would not believe how many articles there are about the best ranked worst Christmas cracker jokes. I read them all, obviously. Obviously. Mm -hmm. What do you call an elf wearing earmuffs? I don't know. What do you call an elf wearing earmuffs? Anything you want. He can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Everyone always, like, absolutely hates Christmas cracker jokes, but they are prime time jokes for me. I love a good Christmas cracker joke. Oh, I hit Jack sending me dad jokes on a daily basis now. Cute. There was. I did have another Christmas joke, but it was about dyslexics again. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know if we needed another oh, dyslexic yeah. joke. I'm pissing off our main audience, Molly. Can I hit you in Me? my head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. When I moved into my new igloo, my friends threw me a surprise housewarming party. Now I'm homeless. <laughs> that is so bad. A lumberjack once told me he's cut down 27,572 trees. How do you know exactly how many? I inquired. Easy, he said. I keep a log. <laughs> I can't remember how you say it though. <laughs> oh, I can't find. I don't know how how the fuck did I find this story, but it 
was really fucked up. Well, not fucked up, but it was just really fun and weird. Here we go. Did you hear about the dyslexic Satanist? I didn't. The oldest soul to Santa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dream. <laughs> I have sold my soul to Santa. You should see the way I decorate. Exactly. My flipping decorations are up on the 8th of November. If that isn't selling soul to Santa, I don't know what it is. No, what's selling your soul to Santa? Are you doing that and me thinking, mm. too late. I tried. Actually, no, I did. I did, because I was staying at Jack's house and I got his mum to put him up in mid-October. That doesn't count. I does, because everyone else said no. I does. I, said, I does. I does. I does count. I does count. I does count here. I does count, Bill. <laughs> Get out of my pub. I didn't become a slag. I became a total slag. I didn't just. Aha, I found it. So, this took place in 2011 in Ohio. So a man called Terry, doesn't say his surname, uh, got fucked up on bath salts, walked through the back door of his neighbour's house and decorated their entire house for Christmas. He lit candles and arranged them on the coffee in the kitchen table. He hung a Christmas wreath on the garage door and blared the television while playing with some toys under the tree. The TV woke up the child of the house who was 11 years old who came downstairs and was like what the fuck ran and found his mum uh, said there's a strange man downstairs um and he apparently once they were uh, once they confronted him just said merry christmas and left he is who i aspire to be <laughs> That's who I want to sell my soul to. Have you, have you watched Holiday Home Makeover with Mr. Christmas on Netflix? No. He is so tacky. It's awful. How tacky? How tacky is she? <laughs> is like drilling wooden candy canes into people's brickwork. No. Like... I'm like, oh no, then I'm also like, I would like that. Yeah, but Molly, don't you remember us trying to put shelves up into your brickwork and what a nightmare that was? Would you want to do that with candy canes? Yes. <laughs> I, I saw the aftermath. <laughs> Just think about it. We spent hours and hours and in the end we need, still needed to call my dad to come and do it. We'd have done candy canes. Yeah, it would have been own. so much, literally earlier. We were trying to carry the big umbrella all the way from the end of the garden. I was like, who needs men? We can do this ourselves. Look at us. And then he went, oh, we stood in a puddle. And I was like, this is why we need men. You just punched feminism in the face. <laughs> I was like, we need men because puddles. No, it's because I wasn't wearing proper shoes. I was wearing sliders. So I got really wet socks. Anyway, you may feel like you're listening to our sister podcast now where we just <laughs> chat about ourselves. Chat shit. That is a good idea. I do like that. Guys. We're entertaining. Oh, as you know, I don't have to do any research for that, right? Well, you have to research my life. No, thank you. But also... You don't know me. We all Can... work like full-time jobs and we're already doing one podcast. Can we take on another? Well, we don't have to take on another. We just carry on talking. We just we have no... <laughs> I don't do any editing. We just Two publish. In one. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in the thought of a chat shit podcast <laughs> after our main one and just hearing us talk about our lives, 
because we are small laboratories with double-figure listeners. <laughs> uh, please give us a comment and say if you like the thought. Or don't, because nobody don't. ever seems to comment. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> bitches! <laughs> you're listening, we know you're listening, but you're not talking. No one ever gets this far. So my Christmas wish is that you comment more on our posts. Thank you. That is our Christmas wish. That's all I've asked from Father Christmas this year. <gasps> I know what I'm getting for Christmas now. What? Oh no, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah, but I know it now. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so. Just the closing, though. Earlier, Ellie said, Happy Christmas. And it makes me feel really uncomfortable because no one would say, like, Merry Birthday. Mm. But you still said it. But then you went right into the death, and I thought it's really awkward to bring it up now. <laughs> to be like, Sorry, Ellie. I'm actually just going to stop you now because it's I thought I'd mentioned it. Merry Murder. Because <laughs> this. Outcome. Right, so thank you for listening. Please continue to comment, Kate, like, and subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate all your feedback, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and no one else. And um, so that's a Merry Christmas. Bye from me. Bye. Bye bye. Literally just about to be like that was such a good one, God. <laughs> Never like choking on black coffee. <coughs> Don't die, Connor. No. We, we're not allowed to touch you. <laughs> this is really awkward because no one could give him the Heimlich. Can you die outside? Classy. Merry murder. <laughs> Merry murder. <laughs> murder. 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 Change the fucking record. <laughs> I Could Murder a Cocktail is an independent podcast produced by Ellie Layden, Molly Dacey and Connor Hall. Researched by Ellie Layden and Molly Dacey and edited by Connor Hall.